So we have a list here of some of the most common uh, mental health issues that people struggle with, and we want to try to discuss them. Preliminary note to make is that we're going to uh, address it from a, a quote-unquote philosophical, intellectual point of view. We're going to try to provide some theoretical groundwork, uh, perhaps some practical things as well, but mostly theory concerning these issues. And consequently, they apply only to those of us that are willing to and able to think because obviously the vast majority of individuals do not have any sort of thought life. Everything is on instinct. Everything is automatic. And for those people, we cannot say much at this time. But for those of us that are willing to think and reason a little bit, we can offer some philosophical, so to say, uh, potential, you know, say, not solutions, then ways to, to, to consider different things. So the first category here is uh, feelings of being overwhelmed anxious, stressed, and so forth and so on. But these are the big ones, right? Uh, Being anxious, being very overwhelmed, being very stressed out. So here, the theoretical thing to say is that obviously all of this is in reference to our desires and it's in reference to our perceived uh, range of interest and control. Meaning, uh, chances are we're not worried about the ant crawling in the Amazon rainforest, right? Or the blade of grass growing in Australia, Unless we're in Australia, we're a farmer, it's our blood of ground. Uh, we're not worried about that. So there's, a, 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 for all intents and purposes, infinite amount of things that we are not overwhelmed about, that we are not anxious about, that we are not stressed out about. What are we stressed out about? What are we anxious about? What are we overwhelmed about? It's that which we consider to be in our range of interest, in our backyard. It's that to which we have extended our desires. For example, I want to not have the pimple on my nose, but I have it. So I'm anxious about that. I want to have all of my debts paid off, but I, I have many debts. So I'm, oh, I feel overwhelmed about that. I want to feel a sense of security concerning my job, but I don't. So consequently, I am stressed out about that and so forth and so on. So here, there's a couple of things to say. One is that uh, the, the, the experiment, we can try to pull back our desires and, and have them only concern things that are immediately and directly under our control, such as, for example, let's say we're standing. I'm standing here. This is the only thing I'm worried about. I'm, I'm uh, breathing. Uh, this is the only thing that I'm worried about. I'm eating. This is the only thing that I'm worried about. We can experiment here and say that if we're able to withdraw our desire from something, all of a sudden, those feelings go away. Again, I'm very stressed about uh, how my horse is going to do in the horse race, but now I don't care. For whatever reason, something more important has come to mind. That's it. No more stress. I'm very anxious about uh, the, the pimple on my nose. I'm very anxious about the impression that it'll make on other people. Now I stop thinking about it. No longer, I'm, I'm no longer anxious. So we see we can change the situation or we can change uh, the range of our control and of our the, the extension of our desire. So we can practice doing that and seeing how calm we can be if we simply retract our desire from everything around us. I'm just worried about myself. But that, of course, is not the final solution. Why? Because unless we want to uh, live in a, in a cave or under a rock, perhaps literally, 
or unless we want to degenerate our, ourselves by escaping from our responsibilities, we can't do that. So after we do that, however, and we feel, we understand very clearly that nothing external can ever make us overwhelmed or anxious or stressed in and of its own self. It's not like the pimple is stepping into our mind and forcing us to be anxious about it. It's not like the lack of job security is forcing us to be anxious. It's how we're viewing it. It's very obvious, but that's a, the first step to, to take is we, that has to be perfectly clear to us that it's entirely entirely and totally contingent on us. Nothing ever can make us even 1% anxious in and of its own self. It's our view of it. It's our relationship with it. After we understand that, we can ask ourselves step by step what is going on here. So for example, let's say I'm overwhelmed by a million different things in my life. Uh, Again, I owe a lot of debt. Um, I... uh, I have to redo my my uh, my ceilings or, or my uh, my walls. I have to repaint them. There's water leaks. I have to fix my car. I have to renew my license. I have to look for a new job. So, so many different things. So, we can ask, is it productive to worry about all of it at once? Obviously not. That's the, uh, Generally speaking, unless that's compelling us to, to go crazy to try to address the issues. But generally, we just feel continually overwhelmed. We don't do anything to address these things anyway. So, here, we would retract our desires first. We would understand that uh, this, the, why we feel overwhelmed is not because of the things, quote-unquote, objectively. It's because of our relationship to them. But then we would create an action plan. And we would, uh, we can write out on paper or in a, a Microsoft document uh, or in, uh, wherever we want or other kind of doc on the computer. We can write out um, w- what is my plan to tackle these issues. For example, I have debt. Let me figure out what are the options for paying off this debt. I have to make repairs. Let me call somebody. Let me make a plan. I have to resolve these family issues. Let me schedule time to have conversations over the next few weeks, months, so forth and so on. Now I've created this plan. And now I uh, extend again my desires, my sense of control, my range of interest to that plan, but not to the bulk. You understand? Not to the whole thing. So, for example, I created a plan to pay off my debt in monthly installments of $200. And right, so now I'm worried only about that upcoming $200. I'm not worried about the whole thing, only about that $200. I have so many different. Uh, family issues that I have to resolve. I've scheduled 10 different phone calls. I'm only worried about the upcoming phone call to resolve this issue, child support, whatever the case may be. I have uh, the the pimple on my nose. I've scheduled an appointment with a dermatologist to get the cream to get rid of the pimple on my nose. I'm only worried about that appointment and about getting that cream. So now we have a sustainable, realistic uh, uh, approach here because we're not thinking about the whole package about everything all together that's worrying us that's overwhelming us all right we're only thinking about the the next step and yet we haven't just thrown off all responsibilities and tried to escape from them said oh not it, not, it doesn't matter i'm not going to pay any of my debt i'm not going to fulfill any of my responsibilities forget about it i'm just going to sit here drowning in in my own uh, misery that's not the way to go either so that's overwhelmed anxious it's the same thing whatever we're anxious about we have to Try to turn on the lights a little bit and try to think about it. Again, we use the example of, uh, we already talked about that, the pimple, right? Something like that. I'm worried about my hair loss. I ask myself, what can I do? Whatever I can do, if it's appropriate, if it's ethical, if it's correct, I make a plan to do it. That's what I'm worried about. Nothing else. No more anxiety. Uh, none of these ambiguous feelings. I'm anxious about this or that. Uh, can I control the es- whether or not an asteroid comes and destroys uh, destroys is going to survive tomorrow or whenever? No. So I'm not anxious about the asteroid. Can I control what uh, the the political decisions that my country makes unless I, I'm making those decisions or have some kind of influence? No. So I'm not anxious about that. Can I control? 
uh, you know, how my sports team does uh, over the course of the season, unless I'm involved and I can't control it. No, so I'm not allowing it to, to give me an extra source of anxiety. So basically, I think about what can I control, what can't I control, what I can control, what can I do, when can I do it. That's what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about anything else. So there, we don't. We should take care of, our, of us being overwhelmed, being anxious. Easier said than done, obviously. But again, we're, like we said, we're just offering the theoretical framework here, and it's up to us to apply it in reality. We have to realize these ideas. None of it is just a, a snap of the fingers. All, all of a sudden, we're not overwhelmed. All of a sudden, we're not anxious. We have we, we have the ideas, but then we have to realize them uh, through, through effort, through labor, through application uh, of our capacity. So the last one we said was stressed. And stressed, depending on what we want to mean by that word, we can say, excuse me, again, uh, I'm stressed out over, over my job security. So here again, we ask ourselves, what can I control? What can't I control? What I can't control, no matter how awful I think it would be if this happened, like an asteroid coming, I'm not worried about it. Excuse me, because... Not because it's not important, but because it doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's like a, a hole in, in, in a bucket. It's just, it's just draining me for no good reason. I'm only worried about what I can control. If I'm doing that, there should really be no reason for me to be stressed, aside from a, kind of an, an appropriate um, concern for the next task at hand. I'm worried about my job security. I ask myself, what can I do? Spend an hour every day looking for new jobs. Okay, that's what I put my effort into. Nothing else. All right, so there's some issues there. Easier said than done, no question about it. But uh, th th that's some theory there. We can move on to the next grouping here. We have being sad, distressed, depressed, melancholy, and apathetic. So here, the theoretical um, idea would be that also um, it all has to be in reference to a desire, right? We're, we're sad when we don't have a desire of ours met. And the greater that that desire is, the sadder that we are. So for instance, if I really wanted whipped cream on my ice cream and I didn't get the whipped cream, I'm going to be a little bit sad. Chances are, maybe I'm a little nuts about whipped cream, but chances are I'm going to be a little sad. On the other hand, if I really, really wanted uh, the once in a lifetime opportunity to uh, have, go on this vacation. I, I'll never be able to go on this vacation again. Or I just won the lottery. I have the ticket in my hand. I'm about to be $300 million richer, paid out over installments, however they do it. And, and now all of a sudden, the wind blew and it blew it away. Now I'm extremely sad because I had a really big desire to have the $300 million or so, dollars, which was just destroyed right in front of my face. So we see it's in reference to desire. So Consequently, we see that we're continually uh, getting sad and happy over little things. Uh, over, the, For example, I wanted the weather to be sunny and it's uh, cloudy. So I'm sad. I wanted it to be cloudy and it's sunny and I'm sad. And over a long period of time, when we don't have our desires met, it can transition to a state of depression, to a state of melancholy. For example, I really want to lead a particular style of life. I really want to be a successful you know, social media mogul, a successful actor, actress in Hollywood or Bollywood, a successful singer, but I can't. So consequently, now I'm depressed continuously. Apathetic, by that we probably mean just I don't care. Also response here, I see my desires are not being met, so I would draw my desires, I would draw my passion, and I say that I don't care. And that's how I feel. I feel bleh. That, that, that's it. Melancholy also, depending on what we mean by that term. But we say that all of these relative uh, things, I want to, I want whipped cream on my ice cream, I want to be an actor, actress, I want the lottery ticket. These are all what we can call contingent 
desires, meaning they're not initial, they're not elementary. We weren't born knowing about the lottery and about the whipped cream and about Hollywood or Bollywood. We acquired these desires down the line. So we would say consequently that they have to be in reference to some kind of inherent desire that we were born with and that is always there, that's underlying everything else. So we can ask, what is this desire? And I see there's very many ways to, to uh, approach this question, but we can say that this desire can only be met by being what we can be as human beings. Meaning, if we simply do what all the other animals do, for example, eating and sleeping and pursuing pleasure and pride and self-esteem, we cannot meet our underlying desire. Right? Just like a, a, um, an eagle is able to fly, so it can't be fully an eagle if it's not flying. It can't meet all of its present desires just by being in a small cage, unfortunately. Uh, and Or, for example, a blue whale wants to... F- to uh, to swim in the big ocean so you put a blue whale in a small cage that would be pretty annoying for the blue whale probably because it, it won't be able to meet all of its desires so it's the same thing we have desires that we can only meet by being a human being meaning doing what only we can do for example developing our mind developing our morals developing our love for others squashing our selfishness our animality our impulses in other words constant uh, moral striving or ethical striving those are just terms if we think moral then we think oh it's because uh, mommy or daddy said, gave me these rules I don't want to follow them that's not what we mean we mean reality we mean truth a constant pursuit of truth a constant nullification of our loneliness of our opinions of our nonsense of our uh, uh, again our impulses our inclinations and, and a constant uh, um alignment of ourself with a higher and higher reality. So that's what a human being can do. So if we're not doing that, we can be happy on a relative level. For example, I won the lottery. I got the whipped cream. I succeeded in, in my contract in Hollywood or Bollywood. But we cannot be truly happy in the deepest possible level, just like a bald eagle who can't fly. We would assume here we're, we're, uh, we're just guessing, but uh, guesstimating. But we would Say that a bald eagle can't be happy without flying. Blue whale can't be happy without swimming. And same thing, we cannot be truly happy unless we are doing truly what human beings uh, are able to do. So it stands to reason that if we're not doing that, that is really the true cause of these kinds of feelings, of our sadness, of our distress, of our sense that there's no purpose and there's no meaning and life is empty and vain and futile. It is because we are not doing what it is that we are outfitted to do. And if we weren't doing that, we can still get sad about relative things. For example, the whipped cream, we still didn't get it, but we're going to have a fundamental sense of meaning and purpose. And connection with truth and reality broader than ourself, broader than our narrow interests, broader than our impulses and inclinations and selfish desires. And consequently, that's a whole different story. And whatever, again, little sadness that we feel or occasional bout of depression or melancholy, it's going to be in the context of, of life, of, of existence, of being, of, of what we want. And it, it will not be the same thing. But obviously... That is, uh, to, to attain to that, to humanity is very difficult. It's not to be done overnight and it's not to be done in a self-serving uh, sort of way. For example, I read this one book on the internet and uh, it's going to teach me f- five techniques to be happy, to be a human being. It's not how it works. We have to have a, a full commitment to being everything that we can be and we can work on that. But in the meantime, we can kind of counsel ourselves by, by reminding ourselves that our sadness and our depression doesn't mean that everything is truly like that. Sometimes we want it to be like that because it takes the responsibility off of us. For example, I'm sad, I'm depressed. It's because the world is fundamentally flawed. It has nothing to do with me. 
and uh, you know, I'm all good. But we see that's impossible. It's in reference to desires. Uh, for example, again, not to repeat too many times, I wanted the whipped cream. I didn't get it. It's not because there's something in the whipped cream that maybe that we can see uh, with a microscope that uh, the lack of it makes us sad. It's because of us. So we take responsibility and we say we just have to keep going. Now I'm a little sad. I'm a little happy until I make that full commitment to trying to be a human being, to trying to attain ethical perfection. I cannot truly be happy. And if I do make that commitment and I begin moving along that road, everything will be taken in stride. Everything will be in context. Anyhow, next thing, insecure, low self-esteem, poor self-image. That group, oof. So here we would say, again, um, let's say that, what's an example here? Let's say that uh, we're raised uh, with that, in the whole time, our parents, they're, they're, uh, crazy beyond belief and they put on a very ugly mask on us so we are you know we we grow up with this mask we look in the mirror we see something disgusting everybody looks at disgust uh, uh, in disgust at us all right so we think this is me i feel horrible about myself and yet of course it's just a mask if we were to take off that mask maybe inside we're very beautiful and also physically very beautiful so we take off the mask all of a sudden it's a whole different story wow so that's the same idea whatever we identify ourselves as however we think of ourselves as that is what we extend our nature to our absolute striving for dignity for pride for self-esteem so for example if i think of myself fundamentally as that one with uh, who's wearing the mask who's very ugly i'm gonna have low self-esteem i'm gonna have a poor self-image i'm gonna be insecure i take off the mask all of a sudden it's gone but here i take off the proverbial mask the metaphorical mask i stop thinking of myself strictly maybe i'm uh, vertically challenged. Maybe I'm gravitationally challenged and I'm constantly thinking of myself as vertically and or gravitationally challenged. Now I have a poor self-image. I have low self-esteem. I'm insecure. I stop thinking of myself like that and I say, that's not what I am fundamentally. First of all, I'm a rational being that can pursue its own perfection. I can strive towards humanity as we, as we mentioned. I can base something in life overall. I don't have to think of myself strictly in these low, pathetic terms and then it's again it's easier said than done it's not in one second but we can change our self-image not only by getting uh, rhinoplasty or plastic surgery or um you know acne medication or hair or changing our hair that's all great and we can do all of that as appropriate uh you know we have uh we have a pimple like we said we could excuse me try to get rid of that pimple we don't like the way our hair looks, we can dye our hair, or have a different haircut. That's great. That's no problem at all. But on a deeper level, <coughs> excuse me, if we really want a great self-image and want to be secure and have great self-esteem, then we have to change the way that we view ourselves. Uh, uh, if we sit here and we think I am this person with these memories and these insecurities and these neuroses and these anxieties and this is what I want and this is what I need and these are my demands to you and you and you and the world and I better get this and this or I'm going to be unhappy and, 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 and I look in the mirror that's fundamentally who I am who looks back at me and, and all of this then obviously it, we, we inevitably we're going to have a poor self-image and have low self-esteem because even if what we see is very nice looking even if we have plenty of things that people say are great still objectively speaking think about it it's it's nothing at all in the scheme of things and again with this life is a, is, is a serious thing it's not a joke we live we die it's a big world there's many people so we can't truly counsel ourselves by saying oh look i have 
you know, I've gotten the dream body I wanted and I, I've gotten plastic surgery. My face looks great. Now I have great self-image. That's, that's, it's nothing at all, really. So the only way to really have great self-esteem, great self-image is to change our image of who we are. It's to expand our sense of self. It's to work on ourselves, really, that comes from the, the prior point. When we're striving ethically, we're striving toward humanity. That is how we are identifying ourselves, as opposed to thinking, I am this person whose mommy treated him or her like this, whose daddy treated him or her like this, who didn't have mommy or daddy, a caretaker, this or that, who has the, had these kinds of relationships, who have, has these kinds of issues. Now I'm able to think of myself as somebody, as a rational being that is striving toward its own perfection in a genuine way, right? Not in the, the, the nonsense self-helping type of way. And that should uh, truly, on a deep level, address my self-image concerns, my low self-esteem, my insecurities. Now, further, again, that's very theoretical on a case-by-case basis, practically, specifically speaking, we would say that we can think about the particular things that, that are going on. For example, let's say I'm very insecure about uh, how much money I have. Uh, uh, all my buddies are, have uh, a lot of money uh, or all my girlfriends have a lot of money and, and I don't. And I'm very, very insecure about that. So again, we, we want to be cautious here offering these kinds of corny uh, myopic uh, solutions here. Oh, you need to do this or that because that's really not the point. Like, okay, even if we fix our insecurity there and we still remain just an animal, we're, we still remain somebody not striving towards humanity, we really haven't accomplished anything and there's really no point, which is really the whole basis of the vast majority uh, of things that are offered uh, as always, uh, right? Oh, here's uh, how you be happier. Here's how you be more secure. You feel better about yourself. For what reason? If we haven't elevated ourselves we're not trying if we have no aspirations to be a human being and not just be this lowly animal okay we have a we have more money we're less secure now what (laughs) it's really kind of ridiculous but we'll say that uh, fine just for short-term solutions we can also change the way we think about something we don't have enough money so we ask ourselves what is in my control can i get more money Uh, if so let me try to get more money if not it's okay i'm gonna derive my sense of uh, security from from something else that I have but again right we don't want to get go down those roads right now now I'm gonna feel good about myself because my hair is good that's all these kinds of things they're just encouraging our vanity right oh you don't have enough money so focus on your other strengths focus on the fact that your teeth are nice and white you're gravitationally challenged focus on that you have enough money yeah, it's whatever we can leave that for uh, you know the the self-helpers or the the who knows what the, to say these kinds of things say the real solution is is to strive toward our perfection best we can and uh, all of those things then are taken in stride Anyway, the last category mentioned, PTSD, trauma, or did we mention that initially? But anyhow, we have it here, PTSD and trauma. So here, again, we want to be very sensitive. We want to validate all emotions. All emotions are real. I mean, they are. It's uh, We feel what we feel, and our reality to ourself at any given time is what it is. It's a, it's a, and it's, it's conformity to itself, and yet that doesn't prevent us from offering theoretical logical kind of underpinnings here of such things so here we would say by the term trauma we may mean um wish to designate a split in our conception of unity in our conception of the good all right so let's say for example that let's take the example of uh batman so in the story if we're not mistaken the the little batman was walking with his parents and uh robbers came and uh tragically killed his parents and that right in front of him. That was a huge trauma. That's not a trauma. What is? That's a huge trauma. Why was it a trauma to the young Batman? 
whatever his name was, uh, Bruce, maybe Bruce, the young Bruce. Why was it a trauma to him? So he'd say, because think about it from the perspective of a little kid. I'm a little kid. The only world that I know, the only good that I know is here with my parents and my home. My whole sense of self, my whole sense of security is derived from them out there. I have no idea what, what it is. It's this dark, mysterious, crazy world. So now all of a sudden, a part of this dark, mysterious uh, uh, world came and snatched away my good, my soul sucker, uh, S-U-C-C-O-R, my soul sense of security, uh, my soul um, kind of a, a conception of the good. And consequently, it's fractured. Like the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia, if that's where it is. It's fractured. And I see, and all of a sudden, everything falls apart. So we say the same then for somebody that's grown. Maybe they go off time of war, see a tremendous amount of violence. What I understand is reality, is goodness, is calm, is peace, is lack of blood, is lack of uh, anything uh, violent and things like that. And now I say this, it's, I can't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around it. For example, a present speaker recalls uh, I was walking uh, down the street when I was younger and I saw uh, uh, in, a, in a kind of a rough uh, area and I saw a big pool of blood on the ground with a knife right in the middle of it. It's very traumatic. It was very weird to see. Why? Because my conception of the good is, uh, you know, nice things. It's not blood. It's not a knife. It's not this crazy stuff. All of a sudden you see blood, you see a knife. It's like, what, what is going on? I can't wrap my mind around this. So it's the same idea. So the solution here, theoretically speaking, is to unify our conception of the good, is to expand our sense of reality to encompass anything and everything. So for example, let's say, why are why are kids and, and oftentimes adults so scared of, of clowns, for example, or so scared of a these uh, scary monsters in movies, it's because we can't account for a clown. I can understand a nice little puppy, a nice little kitten. I can understand my family, my friends, but a clown, this crazy, weird expression, I can't understand that. But if we think a little bit, we turn on the lights and we say, what can a clown be? The person with a mask or a person that has painted themselves. Okay, why should I be traumatized over a clown? Now I can get a little deeper and say, is it possible for any form of life whatsoever to act without positive intent to mean bad fundamentally i did something bad in order to do something bad no it's not possible we can only act for a motive and the motive can only be on a deeper level to realize our nature a little bit more but what we would call positive for example i want to feel good i want to feel more secure i want a better self-image i want to not be sad i I don't want to be anxious and i want to be happy i want to feel pleasure i want to feel power whatever the case may be that's my motive and that's why i do what i do no matter who i am even if i am the scariest clown the biggest monster that we imagine the the worst scariest animal or insect whatever the case may be so when we really that goes deep into our bones and we really understand that everybody means good every single possible form of sentient life uh, period ever no matter what when we really truly understand that uh, that that goes a long way towards healing any trauma we may have when we're viewing for example frequently uh, goodness forbid so many times a parent is uh, doesn't treat a child well all right so uh, from the child's perspective again this is my parent, and it becomes just this dark cloud, this dark force. But if we, the child grows up truly and understands my parent means good, we all suffer uh, tremendously. We're all these uh, little kind of warped, uh, supposed, uh, you know, people that are not quite human beings. We're doing what we can, and we understand that adequately, and we understand our parents truly mean good. They can only act for positive intent along with anybody else. We can only feel sympathy 
for somebody that would mistreat their children. We can view it objectively. We can only feel sympathy for somebody that would have assaulted us, for somebody that's rude and disrespectful to us because we know they meant good. They did it for a positive motive, period. There's no other alternative. So that goes a tremendous way towards healing any trauma and PTSD that we may have, again, if we're willing to think. If we're not willing to think and we simply say, no, I can't wrap my mind around this person, meaning good, okay, well, too bad. Then then we, we proceed along the way we, we were going. But uh, if we think, we can do that. So also we can unify a broader conception of the good. Uh, and for example, the, the pull of blood, uh, we can think, okay, there's blood in the human body. If the, the human body is going to forbid um, the, if the, the, the skin is, is pierced sufficiently, what's inside comes out. Right? People act for a motive. Everything is according to necessity. This happened according to necessity, meaning not to excuse it, not to say something is, is great, which is not, but to say everything is part and parcel of the whole. It's all part of reality. For example, if somebody were to say, is it, uh, is it traumatic that uh, a volcano should explode and cover a whole town and kill very many people, they're screaming, they're crying, they're, they're dying, horrible, horrible stuff, right? It's, it's a tremendous trauma, it's a tremendous PTSD. But then if we were to say, but, but wait, this is, we're talking about Mount Vesuvius, which occurred, what, some a couple thousand right years ago in Roman times whenever it occurred a long long time ago all those people are gone all the trauma is gone then he said ah it's not so traumatic it's just historical it's part of reality volcanoes explode if there's a town there and, and people don't run away well they cover the town it's not not going to say it's great we're not going to say we enjoy it but it's a part of reality things happen earthquakes volcanoes storms Right, as enough time goes by and we're, and we're free to view it objectively. Oh, 3,000 years ago, there's a really bad hurricane and it, and it killed a bunch of people. Horrible, still, we say, but we understand it's part of history, it's part of reality. Thousands of years ago, there was a big battle, right? maybe like the movie 300, the Spartans and the Persians, there's a big battle, very many people died. We still say it's bad on principle, but. Nonetheless, we understand it's just a part of history. It's battles happen, people die, all kinds of things happen. 5,000 years ago, somebody died in tragic circumstances. Tragic on principle, we say, but we understand it's part of reality. It's, it's all a single whole. Everything ultimately comes together to, in perfection. Meaning, as it concerns necessity, there's one-to-one -one conformity of what occurs to necessity. Nothing can violate necessity. So everything in the whole is perfect. If we could take that overall perspective, we would only view perfection. There would obviously be no trauma at all whatsoever to speak of. Right? It's because we're part of the whole. We're a part. We're not the whole. And we can't view things as a whole. That's why we're traumatized because our individual role might be disadvantaged. For example, I'm a little uh, ant and somebody tries to step on me. I'm super traumatized. But if I zoom out. To so say, is it really fundamentally problematic that, that somebody stepped on me as an ant? Say, no, it's part of the whole. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a microbe and somebody's washing their hands. For me as a microbe, the so say, it's super traumatic. If I survive, it's super PTSD. The soap uh, tried to kill me, all of this. But if we zoom out, is it fundamentally problematic that uh, somebody tried to, uh, to kill me with the soap with the, or the, the hand wash? The anti-micro, whatever it's called, bacterial hand wash would say, no, that's just part of the whole. So if we can view ourselves objectively and we can view our role and our life objectively and not in such myopic, subjective terms, it stands to raise it 
our conception of the good should should uh, kind of uh, seal up. It should be whole, and uh, there can be no trauma to speak of. In theory, we, we we in practice very difficult, and we most certainly should not feel guilty for any kinds of uh, lacks. That doesn't help us. We just have to steadily try to move towards uh, uh, move in a positive direction best we can. So anyhow, that's those are some some ways to think about these very complicated uh, issues. We, we discuss being overwhelmed, anxious, stressed, sad, distressed, depressed, melancholy, apathetic, insecure, low self-esteem, poor self-image, PTSD, trauma, and there's surely many more. But hopefully we've given ourselves some framework here. And if we're willing to think, turn on the lights, we can really advance ourselves significantly in all manners. So we can think about it. Thank you for listening.